Well, hello, everyone. <laughs> welcome to Cultivate and Keep. I forgot the intro because it's been so long, but <laughs> I uh, you would. welcome. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Corey? Yeah, doing good, man. Um, I just set up my new desk and working off my new computer and my new chair with my new microphone and new microphone uh, wow. mic arm. And so, doing good, man. Well, I think we'll get to... Uh, why you upgraded so much, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Uh, for the most part, um, I feel like we suck because we haven't been, um, doing this regularly. I'm trying to find out right now when the last one was. And look, it's it my up. fault. It's mostly my fault. Both of our faults, Corey. And keep, uh, we did one. Da, 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 da. Wow, August fourth. <laughs> August fourth, we said we're back, and uh, I think we commit to at least once a month, and it's now November 9th, So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Coming wow. up shy a little bit, but um, shout out to all of our faithful fans, all four That's of right. you that asked us what what's been going on. So we're building um, the anticipation. Yeah, well, that just means that it's more enjoyable for them when they do get an episode. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. It's a strategy. Um, yeah, all all is well, man. Um, it's November, so. We've made it through the busiest time of the year for events and mm. um, lots of new stuff and good stuff, which we'll get into. But yeah, that's how I'm doing it in a nutshell. So uh, why did you upgrade everything? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest one was um, I got a new job. I got a, another full-time job for the first time in two years. Uh, and so I can talk about what it is and why I did it. But um, you know, Basically, they gave me Corey, like a, Corey struck out on his own, just not <laughs> yeah. working, so... Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, it was kind of a cool mix. You know, so anyways, this new job has given me kind of like a home office budget. So I took advantage and finally making some much needed uh, upgrades. And I have like a fancy wooden desk that converts into a standing desk. And uh, got a new laptop, which is nice. Um, but it's actually kind of close to home. It's your brother-in-law, Brian Peterson, mm -hmm. is my boss now. And so he's the chief revenue officer at a company called Bonsai. And it's a very, very technical software company. And um, I'm their head of marketing and their first marketing hire, essentially. Um, the reason why it made sense was I just felt like I was coming to this point where I was finally where I wanted to be like two years ago in that I'm, I have a SaaS product that's very, very early stage, really good relationship with my co-founder, Connor. Um, things are like working pretty well as far as like, swipe files, memberships, and <clears throat> the newsletter and community. But I didn't like doing that full time. And I'm still doing Savvy Cal consulting, sort of like part-time head of marketing. But I've also scaled that back a bit because we've now grown so much that basically like it's outgrowing me a little bit, not entirely quite yet, but we've kind of pushed the boulder up the hill and now it's going over the other side. And I don't know if I want to like chase after it to keep pushing it to make it go faster anymore. <laughs> and so um, kind of felt like an, like the natural next step, a good next step as far as um, I could either kind of like stick it out and kind of like make do get by uh, just with swipe files revenue essentially, but it would be a stretch. Like it wouldn't be very comfortable. And after two years of doing that, I was ready for a little bit more comfort. And um, and to be honest, Bonsai is a really like fun challenge. It's something I haven't done before, like a very technical product. It's a developer tool. 
and um, they work four days a week. So it still gives me optionality to work on my own stuff on the side, super flexible, the exact type of work culture that I would want. Still like a blank canvas, but I'm not working with like a shoestring budget. Um, so it was kind of the perfect storm of right time, right place, right opportunity. Um, you said that you're not really enjoying like working on swipe files full time as much. Um, is it because of like those reasons or is it like, did you mainly like, want like another challenge, like something more to do, or is it, uh, mainly because it wasn't like financially is not sustainable yet? A little bit of all of those. All of the, um, the yeah, the, the main thing was I, f I feel like I found that talking about SaaS marketing is a lot different than doing SaaS marketing. And it's more fun to talk about SaaS marketing when you're, when you're doing it. And I'm not at the stage with swipe well, where like we're spending money on ads and we have like this big kind of program set up, like we're doing really basic stuff just to kind of get up and running. Um, and so if I were to not like be in the trenches actually doing SaaS marketing for a company, then I would, I would only be talking about other companies kind of from a distance, which kind of gets old. Like it was a little bit of a content treadmill feeling like, uh, I don't, I don't definitely not like a, like a coach. Um, I don't want to like hold someone's hand and like teach them exactly what to do. I sort of just want to like create the content out of my own experience and then kind of like let it be. And so I've been putting a lot more emphasis on like the newsletter more than anything else these days, which has also been growing a ton. And I find that that's better as like a side project. Like there's, I, I wouldn't be able to fill the time working on that full time. And so why kind of you know, like where else I'm going to, what else am I going to do essentially? So I felt like Bonsai was a good like value add and that it gives me more experience and more content to build off of, um, rather than just kind of trying to grind it out, doing the same old stuff and doing it from a distance with other companies. So it's uh Bonsai Monday through Thursday, uh, savvy cow you do eight hours a week on yeah, mm -hmm. the, the consulting gig. And then, after that, it's like whatever time you have to do your own stuff. So like Monday through Thursday, do you, what are your hours you're working with Bonsai? Like nine to five. Um, and then I'm squeezing in an hour or two here and there for swipe well or for swipe files. Swipe files is very automatic and like I've already created the content. The newsletter just like runs on its own. Um, and so it doesn't require like a lot of time on my end. Same thing with swipe well. The only thing we're doing right now is a lot of um, Connor's work on the product. I'm working on link building and co-marketing kind of programs and those sort of like come and go as each opportunity presents itself. Gotcha. Um, well, cool. So do you think that like, I think I asked like, well, I wonder, will you be able to keep growing swipe? Well, like, cause it's a, <laughs> it's a full-time job. Yeah. yeah. Savvy cow. You'll probably drop that soon. I imagine somewhat soon, but like, how do you keep growing your stuff? I guess with mm -hmm. a full-time job plus consulting. Right. That was the other thing. Me and Connor talked about it. We were like, okay, if we were to start working on Swipewell full-time tomorrow, what would we do? And again, one of those things where like, we like the pace that we're working at right now and we're also in, in a bit of like a waiting game just because we're so early stage. It's There's no point in me like going really, really hard on marketing and sales right now if the product isn't really complete for what people want and what we can actually scale up. So it, I kind of be spinning my wheels a little bit. So instead right now we're setting like a really strong foundation uh, with content, SEO, just like a really automated kind of marketing strategy so that it'll just grow and compound over time. And we're not going to try to like rush it or force it. We're just going to let it play out at the rate that it already is. 
which we're super comfortable with. Because the reality too is that like, I think we're at like $150 in MRR right now. If either of us were to actually like work on it full time, we would need something like, you know, at least $10,000 a month in revenue, which we're still quite a ways off of. And there aren't like super clear paths to getting there right now, besides keep doing the things that we're doing, which we can't do any more of right now at this rate. Does that make sense? How far off are you from that? You think? Um, I don't know, probably like a, like a year or something like that. It's really hard to tell. Um, it's super is it different. Year, is a year like best case scenario, like Elon Musk type estimations or is that pretty <laughs> achievable? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's, that's definitely ambitious. Like, by the end of this year, we want it to be around $1,000 in MRR. I think we'll probably end at around like $300 in MRR. Um, but it's not really anything that we like did or didn't do or like did wrong or didn't do right. It's more just, again, like we're letting it play out. We're not trying to force anything. Like this is just the time that <laughs> this is just how it's playing out. So your options are like doing it this way, like the bootstrap, just, you know, slow burn or basically like other companies, they, what they like they raise, raise a bunch, a bunch of, money, of money, hire yeah. a bunch of people and yeah. just go for it. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which we definitely don't want to do. Yeah. Um, there is an option maybe like once we get to a couple thousand dollars in MRR, where maybe we would like raise a little bit of money and just be like a one and done just to use it to pay ourselves to kind of like find the amount of time it takes to become to get to the revenue where we can actually pay ourselves a market rate and be profitable um but again we still need to like we'll cross that bridge when we get there and we're still pretty far off from that milestone in and of itself do, do you think it's like the same for every industry or like just what you're doing i, I asked that because i think of like our staging company where it's like mm. <laughs> i feel like we've sowed good seeds we've built some good connections good relationships um right now i'm a little bit feeling like okay, i'm pretty much done all that i can and i'm really just waiting for things to kind of come to fruition like kind of like what you're doing uh but mr marketing marketing guy like what do you think like are there more is there more i could be doing is it is that kind of where i'm at like, what, like, what do you think on that I mean, it depends on your appetite for what you want to invest in. Um, so I think like if you, this is why like people go raise money and kind of just like swing for the fences because if you wanted to just try everything, I'd be like, yeah, go spend a bunch of money on ads and try like 10 different ad channels. Go hire a sales team and give them like a list of leads to work and people to connect with and events to show up to. Um, you know, go produce a whole bunch of content um, and hire a bunch of writers, but when it's just you yourself, you have to think of what can you do in the amount of time that you have besides all the other work that you have to do already, what do you competent at? What do you have the budget for? And so your options are kind of limited, you know, you're priced into a certain set of options. And so if you've exhausted all of those options, then you either have to wait it out and keep doing those things, um, until you do have some budget or some room to kind of hire or delegate, or you go raise some money, you know, or, or something like that. You know, you, you find some sort of way to, uh, to bridge the gap to where you want to be. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. I think like, I don't, <clears throat> with our event business for so long. So this is our fourth year doing it. And for so long, like when I first started, I mean, I, w I remember days where I would just like sit at my desk and just like 
I had gone literally like I would follow up like every two or three weeks. I'd go through and follow up with every like open bid that we had, open quote. Yeah. And I was, dude, I was so on top of it. Like I, you know, I feel like part of why we grew and like got work is because I was always like bugging people and checking in. Like I didn't let anything slip through the cracks. And I would try so. I remember there was days where I had like literally like called, emailed, or texted every open quote we have for like the next two mm-hmm. years <laughs> and i feel like okay i have like nothing else i can do i just i'm just waiting and then apart from that you know we're making sure that we're trying to you know build reviews and do a good job and build connections like all those things and so i felt like i'm doing all that i can do i'm just waiting for this to grow and i was just telling um uh, megan blayfield she's been working with us so she me and her it's kind of funny we both work in my little office together like most of the day and I was sitting there and because like every morning, one of the things I start with is kind of going through all of our inquiries that we got from from the night before. I go through and respond to all of them. And it's been like a flood this year. It's like there's Mm. more work than like we want. Like there's so much business coming in. And I just kind of like, I don't know, I was like thinking out loud. I was like, dude, this is so crazy, Megan. Like I I remember past years where like I so badly wanted the work to come. And now it's like slow down. Like there's just too much work or too many opportunities uh, in terms of like, you know, business and events. And so... I don't know. I think that it's a combination of like doing all that you can do to grow, but then also like at some point, like you said, the rock goes over the hill and starts going down the other side. And yeah. it's like, yeah. you just got to get past that point. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's, and yeah, so. it depends for different types of businesses too. I feel like we probably talked about this in the last one, but especially with a software company, like you have to build the software and that takes a lot of time. Whereas if, like if I were to go start a pressure washing business, I would just go. <laughs> like, you're going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys would, don't know, Corey's like, Blue collar dream is to do a pressure washing business. Yeah, it's gonna happen so. eventually. I'll find some some way to kind of wiggle my way into 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 that business. But literally, oh, I would just together, go to the store. Dude. I would just go to the store like right now, buy all the stuff, and then start building or like go start knocking on doors or something. And and then you, you can just like work your way to success. You don't have to really. So you have to like wait for referrals and have to wait for people to call you back and schedule it and to kind of build your your book of business. But like, there's nothing holding you back from going and grinding it out. Whereas with software, like I can grind it out, but I'm just going to spin my wheels until people are like, oh, do you have this feature? Do you have that feature? Is this done? Is that done? Um, But also like with the economics of it, we're selling our software for a hundred bucks a year right now. It'll go up eventually, but it's a hundred dollars per user per year. And the economics don't make sense for me to go like knock on doors digitally and like email people, DM people. We need a more scalable system, and that is a lot more of a waiting game rather than just grinding it out and hustling. Yeah, gotcha. Well, that's cool. Well, those are some good updates. Um, I'm happy for you. I think that's fun. Thanks, man. Get that job security, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. It, I was tempted to think like this is a step back because I didn't want to have to go back to a full time job, but it's not that I had to go back to a full time job. I chose to. And I think it's going to be a really invaluable experience. It's a lot of fun and it's a little bit freeing too. like trying not to rush or force, you know, this kind of new entrepreneurial endeavor and just being okay with where I'm at right now, instead of trying to escape it like I was in previous jobs, where I was just like, yeah. get me out of this as fast as possible. I'm going to yeah. do, you know, exactly what I need to do and then no more. Whereas this, I feel comfortable and excited about it and um, like no matter what happens, I'll be happy with this decision. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we have something new as well. I think I shared last episode that I was getting close to announcing it, but, um, we decided to, to buy a pool business. So hey. I'm super 
excited about that. Uh, I think I mentioned it on the podcast, dude, like probably a year and a half ago. It had to have been like early 2021, maybe like mid 2021. And uh, Kevin Miller, <clears throat> um, I randomly just called me one day. I think it was probably last August, uh, maybe last September. Um, and he just called me and said, hey, I, I heard you mention this on your podcast. I know a guy who's, you know, who's selling, uh, you know, a chunk of pools, whatever. Like, why don't you give him a call? So I called that guy and uh I can't remember what happened with him originally. Basically, that first one, I guess, didn't pan out. I think it was timing. Like, he, I don't think he was ready to sell just yet. Um, but he referred me to a guy who was selling, like, literally, like, trying to sell his his route, like, tomorrow kind of thing. So, I called that guy, and we met, and I looked over his books with him, and, like, we talked about doing it. And I, just, I decided not to because it was, I think when I met him, it was probably last September, and it was, like, at the peak of our busy time of the year for events. I literally knew nothing about pools. I had no plan how to do it no like infrastructure nothing and he he seriously wanted to see i think it was mid-september and he, he was he was moving november 1st so he had like five weeks and he had to be out of here and i had like learn it all and be trained and so i was like no like i'm not gonna do that actually yeah, yeah. no that's not true i offered him not i think i did make him an offer i think i lowballed him a little bit and just kind of like threw it out there um and he ended up not obviously not taking it but um i'm really glad because i only offered it because so how it works is these guys that sell pool routes, they sell it for typically between 10 to 12 times the monthly revenue. So, uh, so if you have a route that's doing, you know, six grand a month in pool accounts, um, Corey, can you hear me? Your screen's yep. frozen. No, oh, I can cool. hear you. Um, so if you have a route that's doing uh, six grand a month in maintenance costs, so that's probably right around like 45 to 50 pools a pools a month that you maintain if it's doing six grand a month they would sell that pool for sixty thousand dollars ten times the revenue and so that's like how it typically goes if you buy one through like a broker like through like an online website like buy biz ben whatever um you're probably gonna get it more for like 12 times um this guy was selling his route for six times revenue so like super 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 discounted like 40 percent off and so uh that's kind of why i made him an offer because like wow like if i get this thing for for cheap like let's let's do it and so I offered him and he ended up not picking me, which I'm actually really glad looking back at it in hindsight. Um, but he connected me with another guy who was um, selling. So I met that guy and that's who I ended up buying from uh, this this year. But his name is Juan and I met him last November, I want to say, when I actually like met him. I might have been in October. Um, and I've been talking to him for about seven, eight months before I decided to officially do it. So um, like I said, last November um, I met him and you know we've been talking for several months and I think it was... I think it wasn't until June of this year when I actually, I think I gave him a deposit in like June, like mid June, we like gave him a check and like officially locked it in. Um, and then we like closed the, the deal November 1st and like officially took over. So that's how that all worked out. Uh, kind of, um, how it started. I'm, I'm doing it with, I'm partnering with Nate Cazares. Uh, he works uh, with me at wonder, um, events and he, you know, he's our operations manager. And so I'm like super, super excited for this for a lot of reasons. Um, I wanted to do it because I, I really, um, you know, it's hard. Like my natural tendency, Corey, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry, your screen's being crazy. I'm uh, we're not with each other right now. We're Go ahead. Okay, cool. So I want to make sure that we're not losing you. So I'll keep elaborating on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've wanted to do this for like a lot of reasons. Uh, my natural tendency is to want to do like a lot, is to want to, you know, try many new businesses and many new uh, just kind of things and i recognize that that can be a weakness and i re i recognize like i can easily get stuck in this cycle of like let's do 10 things like you know with 30 percent of our effort kind of thing right so i think it's important that i 
do things and give it my all. And so I was really, I was really thorough in this decision. You know, I, I thought about it for like seriously about seven, eight months. And after meeting the guy and uh, I decided to do it with Nate um, because a few reasons. A is I, I just, I can't do it alone. Like I needed a partner. Um, and then B is, you know, Nate has been doing an amazing job uh, for our business. You know, he, like I said, he, he manages the whole operation of, of our events uh, company and so his job is overseeing all the guys, the warehouse, the, you know, he coordinates all the events with all of our clients and handles all, you know, customer calls like on the day of events and make sure that make sure or ensure that the guys get the job done. Um, so, you know, it's a big job and it's not an easy job. And he really kind of just like went into it, you know, head first with no experience. And he's done an amazing job at learning. And so that's what he's done. And he's, he's he desires to own a business, right? He doesn't want to work for someone forever. He wants to you know, um, to build wealth and to make investments. And so, um, he's the kind of guy I want to keep around, right? He's the kind of guy that I would love to do more deals with and to see him like just prosper and do really well. And if I could be a part of that and help him or do it together, that'd be like, like an awesome thing for us. And so, um, I, you know, I wanted to do it with him. I wanted to, he's the kind of guy I want to partner with basically is what I'm trying to say. And I think he's earned it. I think he deserves, you know, the opportunity to own a business and to, um, try to grow something. So, um, I, I think I mentioned him in like, april april or may of this year after like a few months of working with him probably three or four months of working together and he, he thought about it for a little while and he decided to do it with me and so in june i, I made it well we, we made the deposit and start decided to do it so yeah they were 50 50 partners nate's nate's and it's kind of a similar structure so he's basically managing like the operations of the business of the pool business as well so we hired a technician a guy that you know runs and maintains the pools and nate's um job is simply just to oversee that so he, so here's a funny dynamic i literally don't know anything about pools like i've i'm just gonna say that honestly <laughs> um but hey hire me to maintain your pool i promise we'll get the job done no, here's yeah. why though so um you know, I, i'm partnering with nate and part of the part of the Part of the reason why I wasn't excited about, about this business is because I didn't want to have to learn about all the pools. That's how I felt. Like I felt, you know, what? I, I I think I can run the business and help grow it, but I don't want to have to like learn the technical knowledge of what it really takes to take care of someone else's pools at at large scale. Um, and so that's kind of been our structure. Is Nate is like the I I call him like the pool mastermind, if that's what I would say. So he's taking he mm-hmm. took an online course and then he worked for about. Uh, about a month and a half, he worked alongside the guy that we bought from. Not every mm-hmm. day, but you know, every you know, probably one to two days a week, he would go work with him and just shadow. And so he's Nate has learned a ton about what it takes to main, maintain a pool, balance water, um, you know, what causes issues to happen, how you resolve them, um, repairs, all that kind of stuff. So he's learned a ton. And so Nate's job is to obviously have that knowledge and then to manage the the tech who's actually servicing the pool. So that's Nate's job. My job is to um, obviously like run like the business side of things and work on growing it. So mm-hmm. it's a really fun structure. I feel like this is a great partnership. Sorry, I feel like Nate yeah. really he has knows what he's doing. He's learning, and so I, I was jokingly saying I don't know anything about pools, which I, I don't know a lot. I, I've taken that course as well, and I've I've done some shadowing, but the reality is like Nate is the one that wouldn't know, know any t- any technical questions. So I, I'm kind of joking around, but um, <laughs> it's really cool that. I get to have a part in this business and not have to worry so much about the like intricate details of like how to maintain a pool because I have Nate who, who knows that, who knows those, those details. So, mm-hmm. um, it makes it more doable, it makes it more uh, of a business I can just jump into and start doing it because I'm basically taking the same concepts that I've done with the other, my other businesses and apply it to this one. Um, and yeah, so that's, yeah, that. I mean, there's, there's no way you'd be able to like just jump into the operational side of things and, Learn all the intricacies. No, of I would have to get out there. Like, so, and, yeah, it's just too much. To, I could do it, but I would have to take away 
would give it so much time that it probably wouldn't be worth the return. Yeah. Um, and so doing it this way is, is much more worth it. So. Yeah. St- stick to the jacuzzi. I think um, that's about your limit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Even that I'm struggling with. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, story so, next, another um, time, I guess. Uh, yeah, dude. So I'm super exa- excited about this. It's going to be like consistent <laughs> revenue. Um, and you know, the goal is to, to grow. I mean, it's like a big, big, big goal. We have, we, so we bought uh, 49 pools that we have. Um, so we have just about 50 accounts and one tech, um, depending on how, how spread out they are, can do about 60 to 75 pools. And so um, mm. we got room to take on at least another 15 pools probably because the, the route that we bought was really tight, like really close together. So he's able to do a lot. Like right now he's working um, four, four, like five hours, four, five hour days. So he's not, mm-hmm. you know, he has a lot of room to grow and do a lot more. So um, we really want to grow. We really want to get more work and um, expand it and then obviously get another truck, another tech and kind of grow the, grow the business. So Yeah, I love that. I think the coolest part about the whole story is just meeting someone with where they're at on your team and finding a way to find like the the best fit with them because i think some people's inclination to be like oh this person wants to go off and start their own thing i'm gonna go like try to find a replacement and not you know help them grow and achieve that goal whereas you're like hey cool you want to start something let's let's start something together and like we'll find something where we can partner and we'll work this out so that you get the experience you need in order to grow and become the person that we need in order to 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 be partners um and i think that's rad because just a lot of people see employees as you know dispensable and it's awesome to have like a growth kind of path for anyone and everyone and just being like realistic and i don't know like caring about what they want to do and like Mm -hmm. if you can help them do that that's great if you can't that's also fine but at least you tried and you're open to that whereas it just feels like so many other places would would not be open to that whatsoever Mm mm-hmm yeah, Nate's the kind of guy that I feel like can literally like learn and do anything. It's kind of how he is. Like he can fix anything, he can figure anything out. He's really just like hands-on type learner, and so it it really is like I think a a really strong structure because it's it's filling a lot of his strengths. Um, and mm-hmm. then at the same time, he's getting the desire met that he's wanted for a while. So, um, and then I've also wanted to try this as well too. So it's it's really fun. So, yeah, man, that's super I'm exciting. About I'm bummed that you're not yeah. gonna get any more tan. I think that's a, a personal <laughs> loss, but. You know, also love you, even if you're pasty. Yeah, for sure. It's exciting, man. Um, yeah, so that, that's like the newest thing. Uh, I, I, this is funny. I, I shared last time that we just got that RV, right? I'm pretty sure I yeah. did. So, <laughs> yeah, I got an RV and tried to rent it out. And in my notes today, I put <laughs> F that. Funny. We're selling that bad boy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it just kind of goes with, like I said, this idea of me like wanting to do too much, too fast, a, l- a little bit of that. And so, um, Right, I mean, right now we have the staging business, the event business, and now this pool business. Um, I think I have. I think this is great. I've. I don't want to do anything for a little while. I want to keep maintaining these things and get them all better. The art, but something I think had to give, and the RV is what I chose to give because. Yeah, um, yeah. Quick breakdown of how it worked. I mean, we started running out uh, early to mid August. I think I got the listing created by like August like fifteenth, uh, and. Uh, we rented it and now it's like, what beginning of November. We've only rented it two times. And so we met, mm. rented it and they both were back to back. We rented it uh, like right after I posted it, we got a booking and it was for like 12 days, I think. And then it was back for one day and then someone else rented it out like the next day. And it was, um, it's been a good amount of, so I don't know, here's, here's how I feel. I'm not necessarily going to be done with it. I guess I should say I'm kind of just joking. 
Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing it with Dijanae, and she, um, she, she's the one who's been doing it. It's been really helpful. Um, I'm kind of thinking, okay, this is a lot of work, and neither of us have made a crazy amount of money off it. Right. Is it worth the squeeze is kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Like we have, we just got one other booking for mid November. So we'll do that one. And, um, I, we're like going to look into selling and see what happens, but I'm not as gun ho as I was because it's hard to get leads for a part of it. It's like hard to get people to book it. And then when they do book it, it's a decent amount of work to prepare it. Um, mm. and then turn it over. And then also it just, you know, it's an expensive piece of equipment and, yeah. um, it's a lot, a lot at risk. Uh, if we were, if we had a steady flow of inquiries, people booking it, I would for sure keep doing it. But I'm feeling a little bit like it's not enough to like want to hold on to this thing and like really, you know. Yeah. So it was worth a shot. I don't regret it. I've tried it, um, but you know, it is what it is. So it is what it is. Yeah. Those those kind of things too. I feel like there's a, a difference between for anyone else. It might be like a a fun little side source of income and something they don't mind doing because they don't have a lot else going on besides their day job probably. But for you, it's probably like the opposite of what you want and need, or it's like just like a hassle and it's not scalable. And there isn't really like a path to making it better or work you can do to really like, you know, get those inquiries or streamline a lot of the kind of processes. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it's a lot of work for not yeah. enough return. Yeah, we'll see. We're gonna we'll, we'll post it for sale and see what we can get. If we can't get enough for it, then we'll probably we'll probably just keep trying to rent it out, maybe. And just I'm not sure, honestly. But um, if if the opportunity comes to sell it and, and at least get our money back, because um, what happened is the value has dropped. Like that's been mm-hmm. like one of the biggest issues. Yeah. Um, we owe like sixty two thousand on it, I think, or fifty something, like about sixty grand we owe. And when I took it over, like right before I took it over, it dude, they were they, things like similar model, similar mileage. They 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 were going for right around like ninety thousand dollars at the dealer. Um, so mm. my first thought was, you know, let's just try this, and if not, I'll sell and make twenty grand. It's like my, you know, whatever it is. And um, they've drastically dropped. So we actually mm. we called the dealer like last week to see what they would take for it. And I can't remember the exact number. Basically, we would lose about five grand. It's like where mm. it's at. And, um, which sucks. I yeah. That's not the end of the world, but the guy on the phone was like, he's, he was saying how within the last like two months they've dropped like crazy, um, yeah. just because yeah. of gas and just like, they were like at like, in like this bubble and they just like dropped. And mm-hmm. so, um, he was like, if you, he said, if we go private party, we'll, we'll for sure make a little money, but I don't know if I want. So anyway, that's kind of where it's at. So we'll see if the right, de- right offer comes along and maybe yeah. we'll, we'll get our money back, but you know, some cost worth fallacy. a shot. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth kind of. Cutting your cutting it off and yeah, um, it's funny because that's what Connie's dad said. He was like, uh, when we because he was getting rid of it. That's why we that's why we did it, right? And he was like, look, he was like, if I was you, I would take this thing and sell it and make twenty grand. He was like, I'm telling you, you're gonna do this. It's not gonna work out the way you thought it would, and mm-hmm. then you're gonna lose money. <laughs> and I was like, and I and I was like, okay, I was like, you might be right, but I'll, I'm gonna try it. And so yeah. I have to like own that. That he, I think yeah. he was. He's probably going to be right. <laughs> We've tried <laughs> it like and it. <laughs> I don't regret it, honestly. I mean, it was no. worth it. I did it with realizing that I might lose a little bit of money. So, right. Yeah. You win, you win some and you lose some. I lost this one. That's right. The RV strikes. Uh, it's not super surprising. I feel like those kinds of things like RVs, boats, um, probably also like vacation rentals are all very similar in that way where it's like mm-hmm. you win some, you lose some. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it doesn't, but 
it's hard to really like be happy with that, especially if, if it's taking up so much time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Will you take one, Corey? Yeah. Another work update for me, uh, I alluded to it a little bit, but the Swipe Files newsletter has been killing it. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is actually. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I led them with that, but, uh, so starting in, I think January of this year, I had, I was just looking at the numbers and I had around just under 7,000 subscribers to the newsletter. Uh, the newsletter goes out a couple times a week, super automated, just all content that I've created over the years. Um, and then it would kind of like slowly grow by like a hundred to 300 subscribers per month. And so I think by like July, it had just under 8,000 subscribers, but it, it had like barely grown. And I feel like I had mentioned this on the podcast where my goal was to get to 15,000 subscribers by the end of the year. And I was like, I really need to turn it up by the end of the year in order to hit that goal. And I have some ideas. Well, those ideas are panning out because today I have almost 13,000 subscribers. And uh, in the last couple of months, it's consistently grown by 1,500 to 2,000 subscribers per month. And it's all due to this one tactic, which is working really, really well, where basically um, I'm like, I have like a cross promotion partnership deal with a couple of other newsletters. So when someone subscribes to Swipe Files, right after they subscribe, they see a little pop-up that says, oh, you might also like these newsletters, X, Y, and Z. Check the ones you wanna to subscribe to, click here if you <laughs> wanna subscribe. And then that happens also with all the other ones that I'm recommending. Yeah. That someone subscribes to theirs, it says, hey, would you also like to subscribe to X, Y, and Z? Swipe Files is one of those. And so I have four partner newsletters right now that um, are all also growing That's pretty really fast. And uh, so it's like a rising tide lifts, lifts all boats. Like we've all basically like doubled in the last year. Um, but especially since we started the kind of cross promotion tactic and the big concern initially was like, well, maybe a lot of these people won't stick around and they're not going to be super high quality subscribers and they're just going to unsubscribe right away. And it's been the opposite. Like they stick around even more at a higher rate and they're like even more engaged and even more high quality than I expected. Um, so that's been a huge win. That's, it's amazing because, um, that's cool. Now I'm getting ready for 2023 newsletter sponsorships. I was going to ask and, you about um, that. Okay. So this year you did 50,000 in sponsorships or no? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's, what are you gonna do next year? I don't know because I, I want to offer up it's even more. more value, right? sponsor slots. So I had five sponsor slots last year. I'm aiming, I'm, I want to see if I can get eight for 2023 and the price will effectively double if I can. I might not be able to get all of them to kind of double the price, but it could be anywhere from. Okay, I want to break this down because for people that don't understand what Corey's doing, it's so stupid. Like, it's just like, <laughs> he makes this amount of money for literally doing, um, so if I have to go move a lot of tables. Doing what? Like that doing nothing? Money. It's not nothing. Okay, it's not nothing. But here's what Corey's doing. He has this newsletter. So he sent, he create, he writes, you know, a post or shirt, you know, basically what he does, he takes someone else's stuff, he steals it, makes it better, rewrites <laughs> it for his own copy. He sends out this email and what he does is he has a list of, this year he has five sponsors, five uh, companies that have paid to basically all it is he slaps their logo on his on the email he sends out and he promotes their company i think what one time a month a couple times a month whatever and each no, one for pays every ten email oh they all they all get on every email yeah and every single newsletter okay. and there are two to three that go out every week 
Cool. And so they paid 10 grand a year each to do this. And so like that is cool. You're, you you literally created $50,000 that you and Monique made this year. And all you had to do was get five people that say, yeah, I'll put my logo on that email and boom. And for yeah. that promotion, you're making 50000 That's such a cool skill that you – so I'm giving you a hard time. I think it's really cool. <laughs> I wish I could do that. Um, instead, I got to go freaking buy a pool business, dude. But that's really cool what you're doing. Yeah. It's it, like so it really, simple. Like It's so it's simple. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's so simple. Yeah. It's simple, not easy um, because yeah. it's been like <clears throat> literally three years of writing and having stuff to write about and – having a really mm-hmm. compelling reason for people to join, to read the stuff that I write about because it's useful and interesting and new and innovative. Um, but it's so simple in the way that the way that I've done it is it's not like I'm selling each and every email that goes out. I'm like, who wants to sponsor this? I get them to prepay and commit upfront for an entire year. So I don't have to worry about it until a year later to kind of re-up the sponsors. Do you know or, will they do it the same one suit again, you think? Or how does that work? Like, have they gotten value out of it? Yeah, um, for sure. One is already in and I just sent out like the renewal kind of information yesterday. Um, but yeah, a lot of them like one, there's a bunch of new sponsors. So I think that'll create some pressure from the existing sponsors. I basically told them, look, you have until December 5th to give me like a verbal commitment. After that, it'll be first come first serve for like all the slots, but you have kind of the, the first say if you want to renew and be a sponsor at this price. Um, and so one is already like committed uh, the four others I'm not exactly sure about. Um, it's a lot of it isn't really like quantifiable in the value that they're getting, but it is in the way that it's cheaper and more effective and more high quality than other things that they're already doing. And so the thing is like the reason why they would do it is because the people they want to reach, which are B2B SaaS marketers and founders, are a really high value uh, type of person to advertise to. And if you were to advertise to those people on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, you would be paying two to five times more than you would be by sponsoring it through swipe files. And they get the benefit of the audience growing over time. And so, for example, last year when they paid $10,000 to reach my 7,000 newsletter subscribers, well, at the end of the day, by the end of this year, we're going to reach about 15,000. So in reality, they're reaching 15,000. So now their economics get cut in half. Essentially, the price gets the price per subscriber gets cut in half. And so it's a win for them because the alternative is way more expensive. Um, even if they can't track exactly like how many customers are getting. A lot of these brands can. It's just really difficult due to like GDPR and data and privacy regulations. Um, but it's like a superior channel just as far as like the raw cost goes for who they want to reach. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not true at all. Dude, the newsletter is amazing. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that I just like randomly spun it up and started doing it. Um, also really glad that I started focusing on SaaS marketing because I'm realized that that's like a really high value, um, audience to be able to sort of sell access to and also to market to. Um, but yeah, it has me thinking like, I really want to double down on the newsletter. Like I think I'll get to 15,000 by the end of the year. I'd love to be at 25, 30,000 by the end of next year. And so the move with newsletters is to make money through sponsorships. Yeah, totally. 
Is that the only way to make money? No, no, I mean, I'm also selling Swipe Files membership. Um, I also have like a little bit of affiliate marketing revenue where I'm like, I have a commission from other tools that I recommend. Um, but for sure, make, it's the most lucrative. per year huh? in affiliates? Oh, just like two grand a year, probably. Gotcha. Could you do more, you think, or no? Mm, not really, no. Um, you have to be like, you'd have to be really aggressive and you'd have to recommend products that have super high affiliate commissions, but aren't necessarily good products. If that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's always a couple like website hosting is like super lucrative. Um, and I just don't want to recommend those products. It's not good. Um, gotcha. and people see right through that. So it would kind of devalue my recommendations. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what's this, um, the mobile app? Yeah. So for swipe, well, uh, I feel like we're, we're getting really close to where we want to be to where it's like a, a kind of feature complete product. And then the rest is kind of gravy. But one of those is mobile apps. People have been asking us for months and months and months now, Hey, how can I swipe mm -hmm. marketing examples from my phone? And so we just launched our Android and iOS mobile apps, which allow you to on anything. You just click like the little share menu. You know how like the little thing will pop up and it'll be like, you can text it to these people or you can email or you can uh, share it to Facebook. Swipe well is one of those options now. And when you click that, it just sends it directly to your account and then you can tag it and annotate it and title it and stuff so like that. Cool. So um, Connor built the app. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of them. Dude, what the heck? That's so Dude, cool. He's literally a machine. Um, super, so super fast, lucky. I feel like. Yeah. And so yeah, like without him, what would you pay to get an app? Oh, like a hundred grand. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. What an I asset. mean, everything he's doing right now is like hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of value. Um, that's all, you know, in equity, hopefully in the future equity value. But, um, yeah, the mobile apps are like literally just released. I just downloaded it for myself, which is really cool. It's fun also being able to have something you can like show someone where you're like, Oh, what does your app do? <clears throat> now I can just open up my own mobile app and be like, this is what we built and mm -hmm. this is how we market it. And this is how it works. And just like literally go through the flow. So does the app work or is there like bugs and issues? Um, there's a couple of little things we have to iron out as expected, but um, it works. You can sign in, you can uh, save things to your account. You can't like view marketing examples from the mobile app. It's basically just like a, like a bridge. If you come across it. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what, how much have you like invested financially in this, in this, in swipe well so far? And what's that cost of you? Um, besides time, if we're just talking about like pure financial costs, I think I've probably put like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars into it so far, just in like so, um, so cool. startup and corporation costs and a couple of services that are monthly and um yeah, a couple of marketing tools that we're using to you know, make things automated. A couple of those things are like shared costs between swipe files as well. But if I had to kind of like guesstimate that's what it'd be around have you both put that amount in or that's been totally mm -hmm. yeah we've shared app? some of the costs yeah and we have like a gotcha. spreadsheet that keeps track of everything so that we can repay ourselves later eventually yeah that's really cool that's cool Corey. that's really cool that's been yeah that's pretty much it on the on the work front for me at least yeah i uh couple well, other things i wanted to share so uh, with events, we, we pa already passed our 22, um, 2022 revenue goals. We passed it back in like, man, September maybe. I mean, yeah, that's nuts. a while ago. Um, so at the end of the year, I'll kind of share where we landed, but 
Um, it's been a really awesome year, which has been fun. Uh, another thing is every year um, I try to do some kind of like holiday gift type deal for my for our clients. And so mm. um, like when I was back at when I worked at Lebon's, every year we would go deliver wrapping paper to people. Um, Frank, all of our like oh, yeah. accounts, our top clients. And so it's super random, but we would go into like these big uh, management offices and you walk in and there's literally like 50 to a hundred like employees that work there. And we would oftentimes like dress up like elves and Santa and we'd bring these big like bags full of like gifts, but the gifts were like literally just like wrapping paper and mm-hmm. we would walk around just like hand out wrapping paper all day. And it was, it seems like a dumb gift, but you got to understand like for like real estate people and like management offices and whatever, like. During the holidays, from like vendors, all they typically get is like chocolates and candy and oh, wine right, and like right. you know dumb little like gift bag basket type things. And so wrapping paper is super practical because it's and we we typically will get like the high quality stuff. And so it's random, but people love it. And so uh, anyway, my point is that now that I have my own business, like I every year I try to do some gift that's like unique, kind of like wrapping paper. And what typically happens is I don't plan well, and or I <laughs> not that I don't not that I don't plan well. Like I, I think about it, but in past years I've been like doing everything for the business. I I don't have much time, and so I would just basically wait till it was too late, and I could not be able to do that good of a gift. I think one year the best thing I, I did was um I got I. I I bought like Yeti cups and I put our logo on them oh, yeah. and I gave them out to like our, our top like 30, like, you know, event coordinators or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is Smart. I, uh, I like hand deliver them. So I drive to their home or their office, wherever they are. And I meet them and I'll bring them like a card and like the little cup, or whatever. And I just try The point of it is to like build more relationship and like, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like reinforce what's there and like just kind of get to know them more. And so I would often go to someone's house and like spend like an hour there. They like invite me inside. I meet their family, <laughs> hang, you know, like it's like really like very personal. Yeah. Um, but it goes a really long way. And so like to this day, I still have people that like talk about like one year I got everyone like fuzzy blankets from target. It was like 10 bucks a blanket, a super like small, dumb gift, but they, like, it's practical and they loved it. And so I have people like, Oh my gosh, my kids use your blanket every day. They always say, Oh, is that uh, thank, Thanks, Mr. Wonder. They call him Mr. Wonder. You know what I'm saying? Like from Wonder <laughs> Wonder. So, you should make a mascot. Uh, right. I feel, I feel like I'm using a lot of words to say that this year, because of how things are just different, I have more time to plan out those kind of things. So today mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time like thinking through what I'm going to do and who I'm going to go visit and, how, and when I'm going to go. So I've already scheduled it for mm-hmm. December, which is awesome. I have it like set in a calendar, so I'm excited to, to get that done. Um, you know, like last year for our staging company, we handed out, we actually, we did wrapping paper and it worked really, really good. We got a few, uh, we got a few connections from that, that, um, those visits that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but did that. Um, I'm also this year for the first time ever going to be doing like employee reviews, which I've never had to do. Oh, um, because scary. Our, it does sound scary, but it's not. <laughs> I guess it can be. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like with Nate's like a manager, right? So we'll, I'll do one with him. And then we have a couple guys that have been working for us full time all year long and that will probably stick around. So those ones I'm going to do every, every review with as well. Um, and then I'm already kind of starting to think and plan out like 2023, like um, business goals and kind of things I want to focus on. So um, that's cool. It's like fun to think like, okay, wow, like this is like the business and it's, it's working and it's, you know, running smoothly. So those are some, sorry, I just burped. <laughs> those are some, <laughs> I guess, an overall, I didn't realize, dude, whenever, no, whenever I record with you, I always tell you this, but like, I don't, I don't think that we're recording. I just like talking to you. Yeah. So yeah, I forget. I totally forgot I'm recording. So sorry about that. Um, no shame. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are all like my, kind of like business update stuff right now um i do have a couple more that i can save but that's mostly it um i love it yeah man. yeah Th- those types of things are like some of my favorite parts of, of working, like right? running a business and doing exactly. something fun 
those types of things for like marketing in particular with like swag and gifts and um, these little like personal kind of one-to-one things that are surprising are like the most fun to me. I love those parts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the kind of thing that like, this is why I want to have a business for things like this. And it's, and it's one of those things that I think if you don't make time to work on these things, they just get lost because it's, this is very much like out of like the day to day. And so it's important to make time, but it's really fun. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, I actually, I do have one more thing I want to throw out there. We've, um, we've, we've, we've been really considering trying to buy a building, like a warehouse. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. we've always had like plans to want to do that. We've never like just actually tried. We just, we just looked at a building, um, like last week that was, it's literally right across the street from church, which is really awesome. And like the, the front door is like Gillespie field. Um, but it's like an awesome space, man. 6,000 square feet for the warehouse. It has like a ton, it has several offices in it and like a kitchen and like a, like a lobby It's like a legit like business <laughs> workplace. Um, but I don't think we're going to do at least, at least not this one. It's hard cause where the mar- market's at. It's just like, I don't know. You know, it's dangerous. They, people want so much right now cause everything is so high, but we just, it's really hard to say, man. But I mean, yeah, it would, it, it's pretty expensive. And so something, <sighs> I don't know. Be praying about that, but I'm thinking that's one thing we're kind of looking at, but we'll see what happens. So, right. Yeah. I mean, things are crazy right now. Um, we could talk forever about that, but yeah, I think that it's better to be cautious in this time than it is to be ambitious personally. Mm-hmm. It's hard because you got people like Dave Ramsey, who's like, you know, he was ultra conservative, but he's saying, and I hear him, I've heard him say this on several, like, which I, just to be clear, I'm not like a Dave Ramsey fan. I don't like dislike him. Connie dislikes him. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not like a Dave Ramsey, like follower type person. Like I, I, I personally look at other financial people for like who I want to follow and advise from. That being said, I think Dave Ramsey says wise things. And so anyway, he, he is saying like, you know, basically the home prices are not going to go down Buy the home, even though rates are high. And then when you can like refinance, you know, down the road. Mm. And it just seems like, that's pretty contrary dude to like a lot mm. of what I hear from like a lot of people in that, you know, uh, while, while rent never decreased or historically has never decreased home prices do go up and down. Now over time it's always going up, right? It's never gone down over like, you know, the, the years, but there are times when it drops. I just feel like everything is so freaking high. It ha- with the, I mean, at some point with the rates going as high as they are, it is not sustainable. So it has to go down. So it seems to me if we go, you know, buy a warehouse right now that might that seems like it could be a bad decision it seems like i don't know though it's hard like i i don't know i get mixed advice like but it seems like at some point in the very very near future there has to be some form of correcting um so it's hard yeah i don't know that's that's dangerous advice in my opinion um yeah like it's so it's so broad that's the thing that gets me yeah but it's like this is ultra conservative mr pay cash for your home so like 15 year mortgage kind of thing, whatever thing. Like how, how, um, why is he saying it then? Like, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a hard time with that kind of stuff because so many people are, are wrong and they're not entirely wrong. They're just wrong in, in certain circumstances. Like I feel like Dave's Ram- Dave Ramsey advice is super solid for like, anyone who doesn't live in a major city or on a coast. And so I hear that advice in my, like, there's like alarm bells going off. Like, what do you mean? All prices aren't going to go down. Like they've gone down 20% in the last three months. Who knows what's, what's going to happen next. Um, his whole thing is like, his whole thing is like, don't like, don't wait. 
don't stand around and wait for prices to go down. Right? Uh, I don't know. Think, but, but here's the hard thing. Think about like two or three. Like when we bought our home, dude, we bought our home before we fixed it up. We bought it for five hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Right now, like the estimate on it is like almost one point two. It's like one point one is what it's, it's crazy. worth. Which is so crazy. But at the time, yeah, we put money into it. Yeah, we fixed it up. But still, like at the time, paying five sixty for this house felt like I cannot believe I'm spending this much money on this type of home. But like in today's market, with like the state our home was in, like if I try to get the same thing right now, it'd probably go for like seven fifty, like for you yeah. know, and how yeah. much work it needed, if not more than that. And so, how do we know that we're not in the same spot right now? How do we know that in two or three years from now, it's going to be the same thing? That my home's now worth one point eight million, right? Like who knows? Like. And that's to me why I get held up because it's like, man, like I thought I bought high in 2019 and I bought like the best time with our rates, like 2.8%. Like, you know, well, that's the thing. The the problem, the problem is that the, the, uh, purchasing power is not equivalent to, um, like home prices versus interest rates. The purchasing power is not in balance right now. Yes. I think that it was like, yeah, home prices should be relatively high historically when interest rates are at relatively low historical uh points but then you get to a point now where like home prices are still high but now interest rates are at highs in like the last 20 years okay but then i i talked to someone like my like my in-law my father-in-law who says that um for the most of his for the majority of his life like rates right around six to ten percent is like it has been the norm and so that's another thing that kind of throwing me off. Like he's saying, like the days of two and a half, three percent, like those yeah, are I, I those are long gone. Right. And so well, that's another reason why I'm like, dang it, dude, do I just go buy this building? Like, is it only going to go up from now? It just it's so hard. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't I, even planning. I'm talking about this. It just like came up <laughs> randomly, but it's no, just weird, dude. I get it. I just think that um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh. I don't think there's a there's a hurt in waiting right now. Like when when home prices are going up and interest interest rates are going down, yeah, like you wanna you wanna kind of like pounce. But when interest rates are going up and home prices are going down, then there's no like urgency. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Another thing is that um, <laughs> I really don't hear anyone besides either like loan like loan officers or like real estate agents those are the only two people that say now is still a good time to buy a home which is really funny like i've, I've literally never heard one of them say like don't um yeah. I actually i just talked to one um agent that's like a good family friend of, of connie's family and he actually advised to not buy he was like mm. i hate he's like i hate to say this because like i um i, I want to take your money <laughs> he was like but <laughs> i strongly think that you need to wait is what he said and i was mm. like huh, okay if that was the first guy that's been, I think I feel like he's been honest with me. Everyone else is like, but this guy's also like, like ultra, ultra, like pessimistic, like conservative type person. So he might just be on the safe side. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. So. Well, I'd wait and see. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm still going to be on the sidelines. Kind of scary. Not gonna lie. That's just me. Yeah. Um, well, we can move on. I, uh, I've been reading a lot more, dude. Um, yeah. Well, kind of. So I, I, it took me about a year and a half to read Garden City, mm. um, but I just finished. Just kidding, not that long. It probably took me like six months, <laughs> um, but I finished it. Um, I, I, and then I, um, in the past like three months, I've also read like three books. Or since our last podcast, I finished that book and I've read three other books. So it's been about two and a half months. Um, but I've read, 
I, if you guys don't know this about me, I love, love, love reading about the Holocaust and like <laughs> World War II type stuff. I know it sounds super yep. weird. Everyone no, laughs yeah. at that. I get it. I'm like super like um, fascinated by it. I don't know why. I just think it's really interesting to like learn about what happened. But mm. uh, I reread this book that I've read like five times called Because of Romek. It's a really good book. Um, and I read while, um, a book called Wild Awakening. And then I read a book by John Mo- Mark Comer called Live No Lies. Which is oh, like, so yeah. It's his, his newest me. book. Yeah. It, <coughs> Honestly, <coughs> uh, it hasn't been. It wasn't as good as I expected. No, um, I'm actually not even done yet. I think I have like two more chapters. Hmm. Um, it it just was different than his other books. His other books have like one very basic concept. This one, I guess, too, like a basic thing he's trying to communicate. But uh, he has like a lot of teaching, like a lot of teaching, hmm. and so it's it's just different than his other books. So yeah. Um, can I can we go down a rabbit hole on the Holocaust for a second? Oh, dude, I would love to. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, man, this is going to be a real tangent, um, but hopefully we'll come full circle. I am, like, so excited. I can't <laughs> wait. Okay, let's go. Okay, the reason why I bring it up is because uh, I've been, I watched the Kanye West documentary, uh, The Genius, I think it's called. It's sort of like a plan like Genius, uh, but it's like Genius. Wait, is this the one that's been out for a little while, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's like a three-part series. Um, oh, it's so good, man. Dude, it's that, really good. That that like one minute rap he does um there's like this video that i forget who he's with but it's like a 50 two second words. video the two words that was called the rap i think so yeah oh by the way he ends yeah, yeah dude yeah. that that is like the best rap i've ever heard in my life i don't even it, like, it is like crap anymore it's so good the, okay so the documentary is amazing i want to talk about it anyways because kind of has been in the news all over the place and he's talking about like anti-semitic stuff and like is he is he a christian is he bipolar is he crazy? Is he the Antichrist? Is he a good guy? Who knows? It's like very up in the air. Um, but I just listened to this super long form podcast interview he did with this guy named Lex Friedman, who has like a really big podcast. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, but he's like interviewing all the big people now. And um, so they talked forever. And I thought he did a they really did. good job in like keeping Kanye in line or yay, as he likes to be called now. He's like legally changed his name. Um, but uh, it was interesting because you know, Kanye has been on this thing about like the Jews are controlling, have like manipulated him and like controlling the media and banking and stuff like that. And he's kind of saying all these like crazy stuff. Um, and actually is kind of anti-Semitic because he's confused about the connections and the, uh, how it is. But Lex is Jewish and his grandparents were like Holocaust survivors and they fled uh, Russia. He's Russian, but he's a Russian Jew. And so anyways, it's like very close to home for him. And Kanye was talking about the parallels between um, abortion, especially within the black community mm-hmm. and the Holocaust and how you know, 2 million bo- babies are aborted every year. Uh, and the Holocaust was, you know, a sum total of 6 million Jews. And, um, and anyways, Lex kind of was like pushing back on it. talking about how like it wasn't the same. It was like a, you know, a genocide and it was, you know, a very intentional, you know, murder of innocent people. Um, but what I w- what was going through in my mind was like, I don't actually know that much about the Holocaust. And, you know, Monika and I went to Poland. We actually visited in Gdansk. They have a museum, a Holocaust museum. Mm. I think it's like the Holocaust museum. Cause that's yeah, where it's like my dream to do that. Yeah. Dude, it was really cool. And then it was like, that's where world war two started was they started. Dude, we went to, uh, we went to DC this year. We, our last day, our last morning before we were leaving, we went to like the Holocaust Museum, 
and it was closed that day. And I would, you know, when you're, when you're, so I have this memory as a little kid. I really wanted to play soccer one year and, um, my parents like mixed up the dates, but I went to like the, like our small town little tryouts and we showed up and we showed up like the, the Saturday too late. It was actually the last Saturday. Oh. And then I found out that I missed, so I, I wasn't going to be able to play that season. And I literally sat on the curb and just cried. Mm. <laughs> like I was like seven <laughs> years old, but that's the same feeling that I had when the Holocaust museum was closed that day. I was oh. just so sad. Yeah. Like I wanted to sit on the curb and cry, as, you know, a little dramatic, but I, I was so sad. Um, so you're lucky that you got to do that. I got to go to Auschwitz when I was in um, Germany. Um, not Germany. Oh, okay. Where was that? Um, shoot. I'm like uh, Where is Auschwitz? Uh, Auschwitz? It's not in Germany. No, it's not. Wait, it's, um, Auschwitz? Isn't that Poland? I, no, it's not. Where what? is that camp? Sure it, might not been, it might not have been Auschwitz, but it's one of the the biggest camps. It's like Auschwitz is like the one, but... Auschwitz is, is one? definitely in Poland. Okay, where was it? Where uh, I'm also blanking. Where did I go? Yeah, where did you go? On that trip. Did I was you in go to Amsterdam, London? This doesn't really matter. I don't want to waste time on this. I'll look it up as you're talking, but okay. continue what you're saying. Well, anyways, um, you know, they're kind of debating back and forth, but I was just curious on your take on like the parallels between the Holocaust and abortion and sort of like the the, the scale, but also like the um the level of intention like why i don't know why why did the holocaust happen and why were the jews targeted um and like what did what did nazi germany believe does that make sense well i was i it might have been in the lect i heard that podcast too um but i've also been on like a weird podcast um what's the word like streak recently, like we listened to a bunch of, bunch of random things. It might have been Joe Rogan I was listening to, oh, but yeah. they're talking about like because if you th- if you think about the ideas of 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 Hitler and like what what he really like made happen because it started with him and his movements. But if you think about, <clears throat> I really wish I could remember which camp I went to because the camp that I went to it's in a neighborhood. Um, oh, I mean, I really wish I could find it. Basically, the camp that I went to, me and Connie went to in our trip. Uh, you have to. Uh, like they take you on like this bus and they drop you off and you have to walk from there to the camp and in order to get to the camp you have to walk it's like a 20 minute walk and you literally walk through like an old town that still exists mm-hmm. and the people that live there um their families lived there during world war Two, and uh it's people that basically um oh, it's hard to explain this but basically they they don't think the holocaust was bad like they are supportive of it oh, and wow. so yeah and, and it's so weird. Like you walk through that town, and like the, you have to go with like a guide. And he t- basically tells you like, "Hey, just so you know, like keep your heads down. Like don't stare in any houses. People might shout at you, whatever." And as we were walking, there's this one old lady on her like second story house that was like yelling things in German. We could understand her obviously, but she was like, I don't know what she was doing, but she was like very upset. And then we got to the camp, and then we like saw the camp, and then you leave and you walk back to your bus, but you have to walk in and out of that town. Anyway, this podcast That's was sketchy. saying it might have been Joe Rogan that if you think about the ideas of like what the Holocaust, um, like what took place, and like I mean, think about like I think it's like seven million people or nine million Jews. Look it up, Corey. But some amount of Jews. Um, what is it? Who, who like died in all? It's cr- six million. Yeah, so six million people. I shouldn't say because not all Jews, but mainly um, yeah. who who died in the Holocaust. And you think about like all the officers and like when you read these books that I read, like you, you really like you see that it's not only 
uh, these ideas of Hitler that happened, but there are officers that like seem to almost enjoy the pain. Like if you if you read about like they literally threw people in acid. Uh, they would if they found there's a lot of times where people would like find their fa- family or cousin in, in like a camp. They like run into them. Anytime a guard saw that, they o- often would like shoot one, like shoot the mm. son or shoot the dad right in front of each other. Like I mean, just crazy cra- feed people to dogs, like crazy yeah. things that. And so you think, okay, why like it, the crazy ideas of Hitler? How did this get to the point to where not only like are the officers and people underneath Hitler like unfortunate? It seems that they like want to inflict more and more pain and more suffering. And basically, what the guy I was talking about was, um, I forget the exact words he used and how he explained it, but basically, like when you it, when you get in extreme and difficult times and you have such an extreme idea, it's only a matter of time. Like if if the person has the right amount of charisma. If he's in a situation that, like, let's say, I think at the time Germany was in, like, a recession, right, when it started, like, they were not in a good economic place. Mm-hmm. And so part of his solution to get out of that time was, um, was um, like, he, that's why he started implementing concentration camps and cleaning out, um, you know, the Jews that ran businesses and taking them out of there or whatever. And uh, they were just saying that if you, if the right leader with the right charisma comes in the right time, uh, it is not, it doesn't take too long before his ideas do, like, people buy into it. It's like that group bias. And another thing you talk about was you think about people in like the town that like, if you weren't a Jew, but if you were hiding Jews or like are supporting Jews, you also would get taken to the camps as well. You also would be killed. So what happens is because of like fear and a strong leader, people either turn an eye or they support it or they buy into it. And before you know it, it just becomes like the normal thing. It becomes Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is how it should be. Yes, they are bad. Yes, they whatever. And, um, I feel like I'm butchering this, but whoever like said that and whatever I heard was like really well worded and it made like a lot of sense of like why it became so normal. And I think back to that camp that I went to where like literally like 60, 80 years later, uh, yeah, 80 years later, uh, there are still people that like are from like the next generation who like inherited those who still live in those homes that still believe uh, they don't really understand what went on in those camps. Or if they do, they for some reason believe that it, it's okay and reasonable. It's just, yeah, it's they, really weird. They deserve that it. still exists. Yeah. So, so the reason why I, I wanted to bring it up was because um, yesterday we had the, the midterm elections and Prop 1 was passed, which reinforces the right to an abortion in the California Constitution, which is hugely devastating. And what I wish Kanye would have talked about with Lex because he has such a huge audience was he sort of like stumbled and fumbled around when Lex was talking about how, you know, why, why would you compare the Holocaust to abortion? Um, besides that, just like a large number of people are dying is because, you know, with, with Nazi Germany, um, they were in tough times. They had to basically indoctrinate the people that, uh, that there was an escape goat. Like the reason why they were in tough times was because of X and a large part of that was blame was put onto the Jewish population because they were a little bit more well off. Um, and that they sort of like immigrated in, they didn't have like a home. And so they were sort of like quote unquote, stealing the resources of Germany. And they made up the story about the Aryan race and how they were the superior race and how any sort of like uh, deformity or other race was inferior and they had to cleanse Germany in order to get back to a superior nation. Um, but what they talked about too was how they had to dehumanize the Jews and the prisoners of war, which by the way, there were 5 million prisoners of war, 6 million Jews that died in the Holocaust. And cause that's the only way you can dehumanize it and justify it is to say, well, they don't deserve to have life. And it's the exact same thing with abortion. You can't justify an abortion 
unless you dehumanize a fetus or a baby in the, inside a mother's womb, um, because then it, it is murder, like there's unquestionably. So the only way out of it is to say, well, when does life actually begin? And a baby isn't alive until it's out of the womb, or a baby isn't alive until X state. Um, and, uh, and so it's a slippery slope because once you dehumanize one thing, you can dehumanize another. Mm -hmm. And then now we're right back to thinking like Nazi Germany in justifying the murder of lots of other forms of life, uh, and, and people and people groups other than, than babies, uh, or unborn babies. It's a huge missed opportunity. Um, because mm -hmm. I love Kanye. I, I'm a fan of him. I think he's going through a lot and he's wrong about a lot of things, but, um, it's actually really inspiring to see him like stand up to everyone because he's gone through it. Like basically his story, I don't, I don't know how much you remember about it, but this one of his like best friends growing up, Cootie knew that he was going to become famous. So he decided to like make a documentary and just like follow him around with his mm -hmm. video camera. And it like literally documents kind of his uprising. He was making beats for all the most famous rappers, and then he would get record deals, but then they would just like manipulate him and use him and put off his own music in order to squeeze more beats out of him for other musicians uh, and other rappers and other artists. And then he finally made it big. Um, and then he goes through a lot, his mom dies. He sort of has like put off a lot of stuff. Um, and then he becomes a Christian. And then everything, I think that he's like, I think for a lot of people, when they become a Christian, it takes them a few months to a year to sort of like get rid of and shed the old habits, the old friends, the old life, and to really like be sanctified as a new creation, right? To really like learn what it is to walk with Jesus. I think that with Kanye, he's the dude's a billionaire. He's had massive success. He is enormously famous. He has a longer road to becoming like a, an actual Christian walking with the Lord who's, you know, he's like cussing. He's talking about girls. He's sleeping around. He's saying crazy stuff. Like he is not the embodiment of Christ whatsoever, but I think that he does believe in God. And I think that he, he did have a, um, a serious moment and commitment, but he just has a very windy road there. And, uh, and he's getting a lot of flack for it. A lot of hate. Um, I do question some of the things around like his bipolarism and um, sort of mental state. I do think that he has some like anger issues and a ginormous ego, but uh, to be honest, it's, it's a little bit inspiring. I don't know to see just like how, what he says and how he stands up and how he's trying to actually go and spread a good word, especially about abortion and um, lifting up the black community out of poverty instead of like a, a victim mentality of having, you know, actually being able to kind of make progress rather than being used. Like he has a lot of decent ideas. He's just not delivering them super well, <laughs> but he is too, because he's getting people's attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. He says some very interesting things. He, um, I saw some interview I came across that he was, I think it was, I don't know, he was on some like news channel. They're interviewing him and he's like debating someone and, I forget who it was, but he's he's like, let me ask you a question. He was like, how much money are you worth? And he's like, ask the guy that. I forget what his guy's response was. Basically, like, not as much as you. Like, what are you worth? And then Connie's response was like, I'm worth X amount. 
and that's why people shouldn't listen to you and they should listen to me instead i work more <laughs> it was like the craziest like you're really gonna break it down to being that simple like uh anyway so yeah he said some crazy stuff but um that documentary was really really good yeah yeah it, and it's just wild um he's super super talented uh he has a long road but like i'm rooting for him i want to see where he comes out of it but i especially think like i'm glad that there's people like him who at least on one issue are passionate enough to sort of like stand up for it and say like this is what actually matters and this is what we should care about and regardless of like the antics and things that he says and his character like he's doing something that's admirable in the sense that there's no one else that could probably no one else in the world who would receive more flack for saying the things that he is than him Mm -hmm. and he's doing it and he's just going for it yeah to bring it back what you asked because you were saying like his his comments on like abortion and similar to the holocaust i uh they are different but what is kind of similar is like basically how could so many people be on be on board with something that's so evidently wrong and mm-hmm. i think that like the holocaust thing i, th- I think i kind of share like those thoughts but with the abortion thing i mean i think it's i think part of it is so like it it's kind of like what dan dealing used to say about like pornography he said like if you start or like sexual temptation like lust basically what he was saying was like it always goes um it always ramps up. Like it's never gonna like de-escalate. Yeah. Like it is. You might start by looking at very soft, like not big deal stuff. But over time, it's gonna be more and more and more and more intense. And soon, you, you just go farther and farther down. And I feel like with how like abortion, how it started, is similar. Like if as more and more people make it normal and and vote for it and want it and talk about it and push it, then the more and more like commonly accepted that it, it is. And mm-hmm. um, kind of like the whole Hitler thing, where it's like enough people. I guess at some point, this becomes the norm. At some point, this is kind of what's expected. And I mean, that's like the only comparison. But it's it's, it's a little crazy what he's saying about like the um, yeah the comparison. So yeah, we can go on and on about this, but I know to take it another direction, but kind of similar tangent. Um, I came across this tweet that I thought was was fascinating and I think it's related because I think probably part of the problem is that we have a lot of nominal Christians in America that maybe look like a Christian say that they're a Christian but they don't live like a Christian and don't actually believe it and especially when things get hard and when they're forced to sort of make a trade-off and make a choice they sort of crumble under the pressure. And I came across this tweet. Uh, there was a, a huge study done and it showed that 65% of American evangelicals deny original sin, meaning sort of people are not inherently good and that the fall of Adam and Eve is a part of history and that uh, we are creatures that need saving and in need of Jesus salvation. And 43% denied Jesus' divinity, that he was the son of God and uh, God incarnate in man. That is a very, very large number. Yet, 90% plus are against extramarital sex and abortion. And his whole point was like, evangelical Christianity in America is not a religion. It's um, It's not a belief. It's a culture. It's a political stance. It's a convenience um, in in aligning yourself with a group of people and other people that you want to be associated with. That to me is part of the big problem and why I think 
you know, Foothills is really so on spot with the need for revival and just how lackluster we've been as a church in America for issues like abortion, especially even though people will say that they are against it, they're not living in a way that would be, uh, that would show that. And in fact, I, so I went to this class at Foothills, um, which ties it all back together, um, in preparation for prop one, it was basically like an abortion, um, like workshop where we learned all about it. And what we learned was that there was, there was, oh, man, I need to find my notes. I can't remember where it was. I was trying to find it before this, but there's a crazy number of Christian women who get abortions because they're getting pregnant. And then the shame of getting pregnant and having hmm. sex outside of marriage basically forces that, that them is, yeah. to have an abortion because they can hide it that way. Right. I want to say that it was like three out of 10. I'm pretty sure. So this is not just a have, Christian women have done that is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, Church going women, three out of 10 church going women have had an abortion. That's now, hard. obviously some of that is like from before those women were a Christian, but a lot of that is still from women who are actively Christians. And there are two problems to that. One is that this is not just like a secular culture issue. This is a Christian culture issue and a church issue. But two, one of the other, other things they were highlighting was that those women don't feel the uh, the grace and the resources and the opportunity to carry their child through full maturity, have the baby, and either keep the baby or get it up for adoption rather than abort it. That is a ginormous issue. Is like just like the shame in in church culture and not feeling like they can, even though they did get pregnant outside of marriage, keep the baby or give it up for yeah, adoption. Never, they would rather. Never, that makes it. Yeah, that makes sense. And the, I never thought of that. Like yeah. that being, it's really like, sad. Really, really sad. sad. But anyways, that was kind of like my final thought on, you know, just since prop one is just passed. It's a huge bummer. Talking about Kanye, <laughs> talking about uh, culture, like where does this come from? It is a very, it's not like a red versus blue. It's not a Christian versus not Christian. This is a, a cultural issue. Did you uh, vote? I did. Yep. Manu can I? Nice. Our, our voting is very different though, because we're in San Diego County, not in El Cajon yeah. City. Well, we and are too. You are? Oh, you are, huh? Mm-hmm. But we but have you know like... I, I'm still actually registered though under my um so I think Connie's registered here I'm still registered where my parents live and so uh, like, like the ballet got sent to my parents house I need to change it I haven't lived there in like seven <laughs> years but um yeah so yeah so it was pretty much like no on everything <laughs> that's what yeah, my same. experience was it's like oh wow this is like hard because I don't know any of these people and there's a bunch of things that was really hard to find information on um, that the church didn't provide because it wasn't an El Cajon. Uh, but it was, yeah, we tried to do our best and still exercise our democratic duty as a civilian. Yeah. Um, well, we should probably wrap up soon. Um, I'm going to super like random topic, but I wanted to share it. Um, Connie and I have been doing this, uh, 
eight week marriage class at, at the church. Um, from what I understand, it's a it's a class that's like not advertised and it's basically for couples that are only like really messed up. Which is why we got. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. Actually, I mean that might be the case. I don't know nah. why it's not advertised, but basically it's invite only. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah. So uh, we we heard about it and we asked Danny if we could do it, and uh, he said yeah. So we we're doing it. It's been really good, dude. We've we're um, it's a lot of reading. So um, you you meet every Sunday for like an hour and a half, and then uh, there's like a week of like it's like a workbook that you do. And so uh, there's I think there's ten. There's enough workbooks to do basically one per week, and so each workbook has anywhere from five to ten lessons in it. So I mean, it's a lot of and each yeah. lesson can take like thirty to about thirty minutes, and so it's a lot of reading. Um, but we've been doing it, and it's been really good for us it's and it's been interesting timing for us too it's just like it's brought out like a lot of stuff and um it's interesting because we'll be like reading this book and going through like some of the things that it talks about like these ba- basic principles of like husband wife and man woman and like how we communicate and, like needs and wants and desires and all that kind of stuff and then like we'll, like we'll read about something whatever like literally like that day or the next day like an issue will come up where it's like exactly what we just read and, like now we're like in like actual life dealing with it and so that's been really cool. That's been like our, um, uh, it's been a big thing for us. So it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it's cool. also been like a, a lot of reading. So sounds like a lot. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a commitment for sure. Um, on my end, been a lot more consistent about devotions, which has been great. Um, been really making an effort on that area. Uh, one of the things I've, I just like, just like the theme and I feel like the big thing that the Lord has put in my heart and I've been trying to work on is working against passivity because I think one, it's a little bit more natural for like my personality Two, uh, I'm a conflict avoider. And so sometimes it just feels easier for me to kind of like let something go or just like give up on it or, you know, turn the other cheek, take the punch, move on, not to push too much into it. But also I think that I've noticed that, um, when I feel like stress or anxiety or, um, you know, just anything that's like a negative emotion, really, I sort of just tend to like shut down a little bit, um, and kind of just get in, not like ignore it entirely, but like distract myself through it, if that makes sense. Um, and that's a very passive thing to do. Like rather than like, meet that thing head on and explore it and try to like fix it. It's kind of just been a habit of like, "Mm, I'll deal with it later. Or like, I'm too busy for this right now. Or I don't want to think about this right now. Uh, Which has been a big problem. And I've, I've noticed some of the, the downfalls of that and kind of the negative areas and just how that's hurt me and relationships, areas of life, opportunities, um, my own kind of, you know, day to day feelings about, life uh so that's been like the big thing that i think the lord's put in my heart and i've been trying to work on um even like noticing like now i feel like i read the bible through a different lens almost it's like i'm noticing all these things where it's like oh yeah like i can see how paul was very like assertive in this situation or um how this could have gone a different way if they had reacted in this much more you know passive manner for example um but that's been like the big kind of theme for the past few months for me that's good. One thing that's been for me, me, I mean, we kind of talked about this with Nick there and I, we were hanging out, but like, I've just like, <clears throat> I guess, like I am responsible for Connie's like 
actions and for Connie's like sin. And that's just such a weird concept. But like, like because I'm the head of our household, like I, I mean, I'm, I, I have to bear ultimate like accountability and responsibility for, for Connie and her actions and for our disagreements. Like ultimately it falls on like my leadership when things are not going well. Right. And so, cause it's easy, like going through this workbook, like it brings up so much stuff and it's really easy to be like, like dang Connie, like you got some, you know, you got some stuff to work through, right? <laughs> Come on girl. Like get, you know, <laughs> get it, fix your, fix your stuff. But, um, it's actually not like, yes, I do. Like, well, I do want her to like improve and work on her on things she needs to work on. But like, if she doesn't like, it's not like I'm ultimately, ultimately responsible for that because yeah. if, if I, it means I didn't lead her well to work through those things. And, that's been like a hard one to swallow which is mm-hmm. it's like you know these things like I, I was always told this you know whatever before i got married but it's way different when you're actually married and you, you know you have a kid or like just like things that happen like life and it's just that's a hard one but um, definitely yeah i mean yeah. i guess maybe we'll never truly have it entirely figured out but i feel like that was that was the whole inception for this podcast was like what does it mean to be a christian man and a, a husband and a leader mm-hmm. and um, someone who is, you know, leading by example and takes responsibility and accountability for everything. And sometimes you don't learn it until it becomes real, until you feel the consequences or until, um, you know, until you have that circumstance or that situation where you need to actually put those things into action. And then you realize, oh yeah, <laughs> I see how this works out. Like, Mm-hmm. It's not just like a, a mantra or something that I keep in mind, but it's like a, a daily practice and something that I have to intentionally work towards. And cause otherwise it's easy to just kind of not do those things and to be passive or to skirt the responsibility, but you have to be really intentional about making that happen all the time and holding yeah. yourself accountable for it. Yeah. Well, good. That's uh, I think a much better note to end on than, um, Holocaust much better (laughs) plenty more to talk about next time we'll do our best to reschedule soon and set ourselves up for a nice interview review I mean it's um, what it's November 9th I mean we for sure we'll do our our end of the year review I think it'd be awesome if we could at least do one more and then the review but I also was talking to Corey about, I think when we do a review, I think we're going to go Joe Rogan style and make it like two and a half, three hours. We're going to go nuts. Awesome. Let loose. <laughs> we'll have to do that one in person so we don't have any internet Bottle issues. Up. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll wrap it there. Uh, thanks for listening. You can always support us by sharing it with a friend. You can share it with us. Let us know what you think. Um, tell us how we can be better. Things you want, you want us to talk about, you want to hear from us about. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>